Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer-songwriter, video maker, Oakland native, and activist for Toad in Mario Kart. I'm also a huge fan of history, I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, and anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. So each day, I'm going to share one of my favorite deep cuts with you. So let's take a look at today's story. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's Today, Nintendo is one of the biggest video game and console companies in the world, having gifted us with everything from Super Mario Bros, The Legend of Zelda, and to my beloved Animal Crossing. But Nintendo wasn't always in the gaming business. In fact, Nintendo was around long before video games, and video games in general, were a twinkle in anybody's eye. Nintendo dates back all the way to September 23rd, 1889, like the 19th century, when a Japanese businessman named Fusijiro Yamauchi founded it as a playing card company. Yamauchi opened a shop called Nintendo Kopai, located in the Japanese city of Kyoto, where he started selling his playing cards. The cards were called Hanafuda, or flower cards, because of their colorful designs. Yamauchi combined elements from Japanese card games and Western-style 52 card games to make his own cards, which became incredibly popular, so much so that Yamauchi couldn't keep up with his own handmade inventory. So, by 1907, he had to start mass-producing them. A little bit of foreshadowing, if you will. Yamauchi ended up opening a second card shop in the nearby city of Osaka, which was just as successful as the first. He also shortened the shop name to just Nintendo, which means leave luck to heaven. Over the years, Yamauchi's shops continued to flourish. He invented more and more original Nintendo card games to sell, turning what was once a small playing card company into a major corporation, and Japan's premier playing card manufacturer. In 1929, Yamauchi retired, handing control of his business to his son-in-law, Sekiro Kaneda, in 1950, Kaneda's grandson, Hiroshi Yamauchi, took over, and that's when things started getting really big for Nintendo. Hiroshi Yamauchi wanted Nintendo to expand beyond card games. He wanted Nintendo to start producing toys and arcade games, among other things, realizing that card games could only go so far. One of his first big moves was in 1959, when he made a deal with Disney that allowed Nintendo to use illustrations of Disney characters on their cards. The deal gave Nintendo's cards an even bigger audience, and showed that cards could be used for more than just gambling games. In fact, Nintendo sold so many Disney cards, Yamauchi eventually took the company public. In 1963, Yamauchi officially shortened the name of the company, Nintendo Playing Card Company LTD, to Nintendo. He started expanding the company into other industries too, including instant rice, short stay, love hotels, taxis, and vacuum cleaners. Those expansions 
all failed, although Nintendo had some success in toy making. Again, foreshadowing. In 1965, Yamauchi hired a maintenance engineer named Gunpei Yokoi, who was supposed to help work on factory repairs, but ended up being one of the company's most valuable employees. Yokoi started to help develop new toys, like a mechanical extending arm called the Ultra Hand, a baseball throwing machine called the Ultra Machine, and the Nintendo Beam Gun Game, which later developed into the first solar-powered light gun, the Nintendo Beam Gun. Nintendo's expansion into new, innovative toys, especially the light guns, set it up perfectly for the next best thing. You guessed it, video games. In the 1970s, Nintendo started teaming up with early video game console manufacturers to help produce light guns for their games. They started making more and more light guns for arcade games, and in 1975, they started developing their own video games. Their first game ever was EVR Race, an early arcade racing game. In 1977, they released their own home video game console, the Color TV Game. And in 1978, they produced a new computer version of the popular board game, Othello. And in 1981, they released a new arcade game in which a character had to maneuver through a construction site to rescue his lady love from the clutches of a giant gorilla. The game? Donkey Kong. The character? A little dude named Jumpman. But eventually, he'd be renamed to Mario. I think you might know him. Nintendo started creating more games, including The Legend of Zelda, Donkey Kong Jr., and Mario Bros., which was the first real introduction to Mario and his brother, Luigi. And in 1986, Nintendo had its big, big moment. They released the Nintendo Entertainment System, along with a new game called Super Mario Bros. Super Mario Bros. was a massive hit. Consumers loved the wacky adventures of Mario and Luigi, and Nintendo basically made Mario their signature character. They put him into 12 NES games in the 1980s. His ubiquity turned him into a beloved video game icon, and people kept buying Nintendo products based on Mario name recognition alone. Throughout the 1980s and the 1990s, Nintendo just kept making new video games and consoles, keeping up with video games' rising popularity. They released the handheld Game Boy in 1989, which was a huge success, and the Super Nintendo Entertainment System launched in 1991. Sony and Sega encroached on Nintendo's cornering of the market, releasing the Sony PlayStation and the Sega Genesis in the early 1990s. But in the 1990s and well into the 2000s, Nintendo kept launching new systems. The N64, the Game Boy Color, the Game Boy Advance, the GameCube, the Wii. They put out a whole bunch of Super Mario Bros. and Legend of Zelda sequels, among other new games, of course. And in 2016, Nintendo released the Nintendo Switch, a portable multiplayer hybrid video game console that saved a whole lot of bored people's sanity during the 2020 coronavirus pandemic, thanks to Tom Nook's craven capitalist turnip pricing. Real Animal Crossing heads know. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. And now, here's a fun music fact from September 23rd. On this date in 1969, a story ran in Northern Illinois' university student newspaper, The Northern Star, that claimed the Beatles' Paul McCartney wasn't who he said he was. In fact, 
The paper alleged that McCartney had been killed in a car crash in 1966, and that the band actually replaced him with a lookalike so no one would find out. The Northern Star story got picked up by Russell Gibb of WKNR-FM in Detroit, and it went to the 1960s version of Viral. This wasn't actually the first time the Paul is dead theory got floated around, but the story blew up the rumor big time. People got really into the conspiracy theory and even started finding clues in Beatles songs and memorabilia. For instance, fans thought that the Abbey Road album cover, which shows Paul walking barefoot while his bandmates are wearing shoes, was a big clue. He was also holding a cigarette in his right hand, even though he was a lefty. In fact, Paul was not dead, but around the time the Northern Star story ran, he was isolated in Scotland with his family following the birth of his daughter, Mary. He ended up having to come out of isolation briefly to set the record straight about the whole him not being dead thing, telling a reporter who came to his family's farm, do I look dead? I'm fit as a fiddle. Sorry, conspiracy theories. Now it's time for our last segment of the day where I take a look at my own photo archives to see what I was doing on a September 23rd in my life. It looks like I was up to a couple things, but I would say the most notable thing, even though it's not very exciting, was that I was taking auditions for my acapella group in high school. Um, In high school, I led an acapella group with a couple of my friends called the Muses, and we were an all-female acapella group that was dedicated to making acapella versions of songs by our favorite female artists. So yeah, I know that sounds super nerdy. I totally had a glee experience in high school where I was singing constantly with my friends, but I think that was one of the things that I involved myself in that really gave me the confidence to kind of pursue music later on in my life too. Also, it really helps with arrangements now (laughs) with my knowledge of having to make compositions for having an acapella group now and also making original songs. So yeah, that was what I was up to. And with that, I will wrap up this episode of 365 Days with MXM Tune. Thank you all so much again for taking the time to listen. I hope you learned something new. And if you didn't, there's always tomorrow. I'll talk to you then. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff. No, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's Thanks for listening to today's episode of 365 Days with MXM Tune. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow along with us on social media at 365 Days MXM Tune on all platforms.